pod pod as cast as you can. You can't catch me. I'm the podcaster man. Hitch Manners. I'm your husband host, Travis McElroy. And I'm your wife host, Teresa McElroy. And you're listening to Schmanners. It's extraordinary etiquette. For ordinary occasions, hello, my dove. Hello, dear. How are you? I'm so pregnant. Very pregnant. I wasn't going to say anything, but you're pregnant. So pregnant. So pregnant. What do you think is the most pregnant thing about you? Is Uh, it the baby in your stomach? It's the baby in my belly. Yeah. Hey, so last night, Teresa and I, we were uh, falling asleep so very peacefully. (laughs) And uh, I, and she said, I don't really sleep well because I'm so pregnant. And I said, well, how about for tonight? I'll put the baby in my tummy. And she said, you couldn't handle it. (laughs) And here's the thing. She's never been more right. Because then I started thinking about if I suddenly had a 35-week-old like fetus in my stomach a wiggling around, I would freak out so bad. Yep, you totally would. But that's not what we're talking about. And then she got the hiccups. The baby. The baby. And I stayed weird. awake for another hour. Excuse me, hold on. My dog is nesting into my clean clothes. Hey, <laughs> stop it. Okay, we're fine now. So, we're not talking about any of those things. No, not today. What are we talking about? We're talking about gingerbread houses, specifically. Now, I'm so curious, because this is yours and Alex's dark machinations, all this planning. <laughs> what, does does gingerbread have, like, socio, like, like etiquette implications? Yes, yes. What? Yes. Okay. But let's not start with that. Well, let's start with the fact that I don't really like gingerbread. (laughs) Well, here's the thing. Okay, this is what I've realized over my many, many years, all 25 of my years on Earth, (laughs) and also a lot of Great British Bake Off, is that when we talk about gingerbread, that there's really, like, I mean, we're talking about cookies, two different kinds, but like a third kind. There's like bread, right? There's gingerbread bread. Mm -hmm. and But if we're talking about gingerbread cookies... There's like the hard, like hard to eat mm-hmm. gingerbread mm-hmm. that you would use to like build things mm-hmm. or for decorative gingerbread, you know, people. Mm-hmm. Or there's like a soft gingerbread that rules. And as if we're talking about Great British Bake Off, what we're talking about is they are constantly trying to find that perfect balance between. The bread, the gingerbread that is architecturally sound and still tastes good because yes, it's very hard to find and still edible. I mean, that's well, the thing is, I'm not going to knock it. Technically, it's edible. Edible, yes. Uh, what's an easy chewable? <laughs> um, Swallowable. Yes, because and here's the thing. Oh, I hope we don't get any angry tweets about people who just love gingerbread. Give me a molasses cookie. Amen. Amen. But, Love that so, molasses. But and it's weird to me that you don't like it because you usually like you like like ginger candy. You like ginger things, and I don't. Yeah. But I like ginger. I like soft gingerbread. I like molasses cookies better. Okay. Okay. So here's the thing, right? 
We associate gingerbread, especially gingerbread houses, which I will get to later, with Christmas. Yes. But the thing is, like, gingerbread is way older than Christmas. Um, is that why it's so hard? <laughs> <laughs> there are gingerbread recipes in ancient Greece that date back to uh, 2500 BCE. Wow, really? Yes. In fact, in the remains of ancient Egypt, forms of gingerbread known as honey cakes were found along with references to spiced bread that dated all the way back to 1500 BCE. Okay, but they weren't like doing gingerbread houses, right? No. Okay. No. Uh, But these cookies... Um, These honey cakes were, quote, a gift from the gods and held the power to banish demons, heal ailments, and give life to those who had passed. Okay. Probably not, right? Once again, hey, this is another shout out to Sawbones. It didn't. It didn't. And they should have known right away. That seems easily testable. (laughs) Hey, have you noticed how we've given gingerbread to a lot of dead folks and none of them have come back? The only thing I can think... Is that somebody fainted and somebody like put some gingerbread in their mouth. They woke up like, why is there gingerbread in my mouth? And they're like, I did it. I saved you. Uh, But ginger, specifically ginger, probably wasn't incorporated into these honey cakes um, until around the 10th century. uh, Because ginger was cultivated mainly by the ancient Chinese and Indonesian peoples. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and But again, it was used very similarly, uh, baked into cookies and used as medicine. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. See, that doesn't surprise me because ginger has a very powerful, I don't want to say medicinal because I think that that is like a bad sounding word. I don't mean like, you know, I don't mean like acidic or bitter or anything like that, but it, it feels like it's something, you know? Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Um, and then... Uh, uh, this is a, about the time where we start working on trade routes um, and, uh, you know, the Silk Road and, and things like that. So ginger as medicine and these cookies that carried the medicine spread very quickly. Um, but like I said, this wasn't dessert. It wasn't like a Christmas like uh, thing that you would recognize now. Um, it was, you know, <sighs> at some points used to like ward off plague or whatever. Okay, but once again, no, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. <laughs> I mean, it might, they might have attempted to do that. Yeah. Right. Um, okay. So when, when we start to think about gingerbread the way that we see it, it's not really until it hit Europe and um, really until after the Crusades, um, because, so it was billed mostly as a German delicacy, um, and any soldiers who were lucky enough to return from the Crusades brought with them the ginger that they had acquired in the Middle Eastern areas. Um, here's the thing, though. They weren't shaped like people for a long time either. What were they shaped? Just cookie shapes? They were uh, sometimes flowers or birds or just general kind of shaped. Okay. 
Um, I mean, not just like round dollopy cookies. They were made prettier than that. But like people shaped didn't happen until um, the, uh, let's see, until, okay. So there are a couple of different ways that it happened. Okay. Before we get to it, I want to say, before this very moment, I've never thought of it before, but the fact that you keep saying the phrase, people-shaped, makes me think about how very weird it is Mm -hmm. that we're like, hey, here's this cookie. Bite its head off. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Well, so they were started to be people-shaped once they were first crafted in the Belgian city of Dinant and then adopted and modified by the people of Achten, Germany. Okay. And then even further, they were refined into more better people. I mean, like... With ripped abs <laughs> and huge pecs. In, uh, in Franconian convents. These places uh-huh. were the first to actually, like serve them as cookies as dessert uh-huh and called them pepper cakes because for a while people just couldn't be bothered with talking about different spices and they were all called pepper oh <laughs> I think okay that's funny cool cool so they were just like spicy cakes and so they're just like uh, i don't know pepper yeah okay um and then once it moved into the the french christians kind of circle um, this is when they started to be used in like religious ceremonies and they were, they were made to look like saints, right? Oh, okay. So this is, that's peopley, right? Yeah, that's peopley. Yeah. Yeah. I, but I, once again, I will say, and listen, no knock to it, but it seems even weirder to me. When it's like, and now they look like specific people. Specific people. And eat them, right? Uh, well, not only probably, is this a generic person yeah. cookie, this is Fred. Eat Fred. You the know Saint. Fred? Saint eat Fred? Him. I don't know. You're the Catholic one, not I don't me. Know. No, no. You don't know? You, there wasn't a Saint Fred? I, maybe. Listen, the... Uh, I don't want to get in trouble. I'm not a very good Catholic. You you were a Catholic. I, the... I was a raised as a Catholic. Okay. Okay, anyway. Um, so, like, everything awesome, finally it made it to England, and they were like, this is so great. This is ours now. Mm-hmm. And instead of that, of uh, whatever, like, pepper cakes, honey cakes, all this stuff, they were often found as kind of, like, craft fairs. You know, so like, you know, next to the person who does wood carvings, there'd be a stall for gingerbread shaped like birds or whatever, I guess. Okay. Yeah, that tracks for me. Um, And they were called fairings because they were found at the fair. Again, like, when did we get so lazy, right? We couldn't be bothered to call them ginger cookies or ginger cakes because... People didn't know what ginger was. Everything spicy was pepper and now like they can't even be called like i don't know like german pepper cakes they're now called fairings i, I okay to be i to be fair uh, <laughs> i think fairings is a more interesting name than german pepper cakes but at least it but at least german pepper cakes is accurate 
Yeah, but I don't need everything described to me that way. I'm fine with a little flair on it. That's fine to me, you know what I mean? You could call it a dumpling. You don't have to call it pale bread surrounding me. That's All fine. Right. All right. You know what's interesting? Is I, my brain has no problem with you saying that they were sold next to craftings because we literally bought our gingerbread, like, we built... We built a gingerbread, little gingerbread village. Well, we built three quarters of a gingerbread <laughs> village. One of the villagers was drunk making this. Yeah, that 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 house, oh, it had a rough winter. Fell down. Uh, too much snow on the roof collapsed it. <laughs> but we bought it at a craft store. We bought it. Right. And, and then Bibi was like, can I eat it? And we're like, no. We'll get to that. Okay. Save that thought. Okay. All right. Here it is. Here, what is? Like I said, everything awesome. The uh, English basically conquered and took for themselves. Uh-huh. So the person who's really credited. And listen, before anybody says anything, we learned it from watching you, Dad. USA does it too. Don't worry about it. We learned it from it. you, England. It's fine. Um, and Queen Elizabeth I uh-huh. commissioned gingerbread peoples to be made uh and gilded uh, for visiting dignitaries. Uh-huh. And suddenly everyone was like, that's cool. I remember that from a really early Great British Bake Off. Oh, yeah? Right, where that that was when they still did the little, like, melon Sue going off into the world to learn about making the thing. I think the that thing. they might still have that part in in. It just doesn't air on Netflix? It just doesn't air in America. Huh, Okay. Yeah. I like that part. I did too. Well, we're big nerds. We are. All right. So then everybody was like, this is great. Let's do this. We can make it look like people. It's so cool. Uh, so then they became used uh, by folk medicine practitioners. <clears throat> Maybe they were called witches at the time. Uh, would create them as love tokens oh, for young cute. women. The idea being that if you could get the man you were interested in to eat the gingerbread in your likeness, he would fall in love with you. Oh, boy, that's a big ask, isn't it? Mm. Isn't that, hey, Todd, who's this cookie look like? That's right, yours truly. Eat my cookie, Todd. <laughs> uh, I don't really want to eat this, Deb. It has your face on it. <laughs> eat it. Okay, so let's let's do a little uh, a little look see at the house thing. Okay. Okay. Um, so the first mentions in print of a gingerbread house are from Hansel and Gretel by the Brothers Grimm. Yes. Okay. Uh huh. Um, the story was popular throughout Germany and Europe, and the idea of a witch living in a gingerbread house to lure children, I mean, pretty crafty, right? That's. I mean, I guess. But think of the upkeep. What if it rains? What if it rains? The bugs. And so when the uh, when the first when the story first like was written down, it was based on the Great German Famine of the 1300s, where basically uh, there was no food. Yeah. So children were turned out of their parents' homes to go fend for themselves. Oh, bummer. Yeah. Because a lot of people don't remember. That's how Hansel and Gretel the story starts. Is yep. the in some versions it's like a stepmother and their father, but like their parents get like, these two kids out. We can't feed you. Get out. You know. But it, I oh I was about to. I know in the versions I know, but I also know the Brothers Grimm 
were pretty grim. Pretty grim. And the version I know, they end up living in this house made of cookies and candy, so they have plenty of food. Not a lot of vegetables, though. Mm, well, sugar is calories. I mean, I guess. Not vitamins. Well, no. Uh, let's assume that they also... Foraged. Foraged. <laughs> okay. Anyway, this story wasn't actually published until 1812. Oh, really? Right? But it was really around as kind of like folklore right. for a very long time. So which came first, the story or the house? Or the, the house of the story. The chicken or the egg, you know? Is it chicken in Hansa and Gretel? No. I think you're thinking of the Baba Yaga. Anyway. So did the story create gingerbread houses or were gingerbread houses already a thing and the brothers Grimm were like, let's just use that? Let me, okay, my two cents, just based off of nothing but my own deductive reasoning, I have found that anytime we get any kind of doll figurine toy for BB, immediately she wants somewhere to put it. A doll high chair, a doll house, a doll car, right? A doll bed. If you're making gingerbread people, I guarantee it is not, there was not just one person who thought, a thing to put them in. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, there were probably lots of, especially if we're talking about them being used in, like, Christian services, there were probably gingerbread nativities, right? Gingerbread crushes. Sure. Um, So then this is how. We do it. (laughs) It really started being associated with the Christmas holiday. Um, during what what we have come, Alex and I, to call the Great Christian Rebrand. Okay. She came up with it. I loved it. I love it so much. So now you're rebranding it I'm as rebranding. your own. <laughs> no, I'm not rebranding. Okay. I am continuing her quest. Okay. yes. Anyway. Um, and it was, you know, German in nature. It was popularized by uh, Prince Albert, you know, part of oh, the yeah. whole, of course, of course, that right? Big, the big uh, Victorian Christmas amalgamation that is Albert and Victorian ideals and yep. Dickens. And, Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, but technically, it took off a little better in the United States. Uh, than the colonies than it did in uh, in England, uh-huh. uh, where it was just kind of relegated to Christmas time, to the celebration where the uh, the colonists were like, "Hey, this gingerbread stuff, everybody likes it all year round." Um, in fact, the cookies were used to incentivize elections. Huh? You know, vote for me, I'll give you a cookie. You know what's weird? You know what's weird? Teresa? What's weird? You were saying all that, and I thought, that's so strange. But then I think the cookie ginger snap I've had all year round, and I never think twice about that. But if someone in, say, June said, do you want a gingerbread man? I'd be like, how old is that? Gross. What's wrong with you? <laughs> um, and George Washington's mother is said to have served a version of gingerbread to the Marquis de Lafayette uh-huh. when he visited her in Fredericksburg. Uh-huh. Um. And, and he wrapped a great thank you. <laughs> and the treat was so popular that a whole architecture movement was was taken from it. Um, I'm not surprised yeah, by that. Yep. And you see lots of houses here in Cincinnati specifically where they have gingerbread house-esque kind of uh, design. Right. These are carved white architecture 
architectural details on colonial American, particularly seaside homes. Uh-huh. Um, and yeah, it's called Gingerbread Work. Okay. Pretty cool. Well, All right. let's, let's talk about more gingerbread stuff. But first, a thank you note for our sponsor. This week's Schmanners is sponsored in part by ModCloth. At ModCloth, they design vintage-inspired apparel made relevant for right now. It's crafted by a team of in-house designers, and its signature styles include bright, hand-drawn prints in an inclusive size range. So you can find quality pieces that are versatile enough to wear to work or on the weekend. I actually have several mod cloth pieces in my closet. I do enjoy. Um, they've, I have explored the quote vintage inspired tab a lot. Um, and I really like how it's not just all the same pr- pattern. I mean, like the same design of dresses. That's what I usually look at. It's not all the same design in just different prints because they actually are inspired by a bunch of different decades. I've got some really great knitwear kind of inspired dresses from the late from the early 70s looking. I've got some really nice kind of sculpted dresses, day dresses, like I really enjoy just going and like favoriting everything. <laughs> So, um, what we have for our listeners today is um, an offer that is really only valid for a very limited time, so you do need to hurry. It's 15% off your purchase of $100 or more. So, go to modcloth.com and enter the code SCHMANNERS at checkout. One more. That's modcloth.com with code SCHMANNERS at checkout for 15% off your purchase of $100 or more for a very limited time. You know when you were a kid and like the running gag on any kind of kids programming about Christmas and bad gifts was like, oh, socks, <laughs> right? But now you're an adult. And you know what you never buy for yourself? Socks. Socks. You never think about it until suddenly you're looking in your drawer and you're like, I hate all of these. Or like your toes pop out of them. Right, and all the the elastics all stretch out. Or just, they're just not doing anything for you, right? If you're looking for a present for, let's say, an adult, maybe a kid who's got their head screwed on straight, well, you might want to think about Bombas socks. Because here's the thing. Not only... Our socks great in general. Now, as a discerning adult, I can also tell the difference between like run of the mill bad socks and like super high quality awesome socks like Bombas because Bombas has extra cushioning, arch support, and no toe seam. They're designed to be comfortable for all your activities, no matter whether you're walking the dog or chilling at home or playing drums or saving the world. You'll be comfortable. Uh, and it isn't important to be comfortable when you're saving the world. Nothing worse than blisters while you're saving the world. <laughs> they even have a line of merino wool socks. They're soft, warm, and naturally moisture-wicking, never itchy or or rough. And did you know that socks are the number one most requested item in homeless shelters? Bombas socks were created to change that. For every pair you buy, Bombas donates a pair to someone in need. So go to bombas.com slash schmanners today and get 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash manners. 
bombus.com slash schmanners. Hey, if you like your podcast to be focused and well-researched and your podcast host to be uncharismatic, unhorny strangers who have no interest in horses, then this is not the podcast for you. Again, what's your deal? (laughs) I'm Emily. I'm Lisa. Our show's called Baby Geniuses. And its hosts are horny adult idiots. We discover weird Wikipedia pages every episode. We discuss institutional misogyny. We ask each other the dumbest questions and our listeners won't stop sending us pictures of their butts. We haven't asked them to stop, but they also aren't stopping. Join us on Baby Geniuses every other week on MaximumFun.org. I've got a message for you. Hi, it's me, April Wolf, the host of Switchblade Sisters and co-writer of the new horror film Black Christmas. And I'm Katie Walsh, film critic and occasional host of Switchblade Sisters. We're here to announce that for one episode, we will be doing something a little different. Much like Jeff Goldblum and David Cronenberg's The Fly, I will be going through a truly disturbing transformation. April will transform from the interviewer into the interviewee. I will be asking her all about her new film, Black Christmas, her writing process, and ongoing existential dread. But I will also be discussing John Carpenter's perfect masterpiece, Prince of Darkness. You guys seen any movies you like? So tune in to Switchblade Sisters for a -a one-of-a-kind episode with April Wolf and me, Katie Walsh. See you then. Only the corrupt I listen to now. Okay. All right. So we've got houses. We've got we've got the titular house. The gingerbread gingerbread. house. The gingerbread person. Maybe even a gingerbread reindeer. Mm, Perhaps. So. 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 So today... Millions of gingerbread houses are made each year. Yeah, there's got to be like competitions and stuff. Absolutely, right? there are competitions. The Guinness Book of World Records says that the world's largest gingerbread house spanned nearly 40,000 cubic feet. Huh. It was created at Traditions Golf Club in Bryan, Texas. <laughs> and I gave you a little eye because everything's bigger in Texas. Yeah. Uh, the house was so large. It required its own building permit. Huh. And it was built much like a traditional house where the bricks are made out of gingerbread. Oh, I see. So it wasn't just like single pieces. No. It was made of gingerbread, but they were yes. bricks. Okay. Uh, 4,000 gingerbread bricks. Okay. Oh, man. Uh, and... <laughs> Alex has gone so far to tell us that that requires 1,800 pounds of butter and 67 pounds of ginger. Huh. You know, I know this isn't the point of that, but what a waste of food. Yeah. Ugh. Anyway. So, okay. Here's the thing. Okay. You probably shouldn't eat that gingerbread house, yeah. right? Because it's being displayed and like people are walking through it. And it's more, I mean, walking through it, people, it's its more of a decoration than a food stuff, of yes. course, right? But that's the question, to eat or not to eat? I mean, no, no, right? No, yeah, no. There are some circumstances where I would say dig in because gingerbread can be delicious if you like that. The candy that you you cover a gingerbread house with is definitely delicious. But the thing is, you really need to find out its origins. Yes. Right? So the kit that we bought at a craft store. Who knows how long? Exactly. Who knows how long? 
and who knows who's touched it and where did like and that weird frosting that didn't really work what's in that well it worked three out of four times okay yes I, i i think the only circumstance in which i would eat a gingerbread house is if it was like i helped bake it and the same, like, that night after it had cooled, I decorated it, and then, like, we took a bunch of photos for Instagram, and then, like, it was, like, a party or family thing, we ate it. Yes, that is probably the circumstance people will run into most often. Um, a homemade gingerbread house taken to a celebration for eating. Yeah. So what you would do is you would spend most of the evening admiring it, maybe picking off pieces of gumdrops or whatever. But at the very end of the party... Smash it up with a baseball bat. And everybody takes a piece home. Oh, okay. I thought I was joking. Probably not with a baseball bat. Maybe with like a meat tenderizer. And you know what's special about that is the only uh, kind of comparable thing I can think of is like an ice sculpture. And at the end of the night, people don't break it up to put it in their drinks. (laughs) Maybe they do. Maybe they do. That ice has got to go somewhere. Maybe an old-fashioned. Um... So, like, you, I would say that I want to put myself in the place of the gingerbread house maker. Uh huh. I would love to bring a gingerbread house to a party that I lovingly homemade and saw and see everyone take a piece home. Yes. And not have to take food home. Yes, absolutely. Um, but we have to say that, like, not all gingerbread houses are created equally. Yeah. Um, and if it comes in a box, odds are it's been in that box for a long time. Well, and that's the thing. So here's my, this is my number one gingerbread etiquette recommendation. Never assume it is to be eaten. Like if you go to somebody's house and they have a gingerbread house, I wouldn't like just pluck a piece of candy off it and pop it in my mouth even. Exactly. Some people keep that stuff for years. Right. Or even if it's not that, even if it's not old, even if it is freshly baked, they might have made it for decoration, you know, that it's like, you know, you wouldn't walk over and chop a piece off the Christmas tree to throw it in the fire, (laughs) right? You don't know. It might be fake. Um, But like, I think you should always ask like, is this for eating or for looking? You sure, know. definitely. Um, and I would say that a lot of those kits, those pre-made gingerbread house prefab kits. Yes. I want to. I, I want to talk about them like they're prefab homes or something. They, honey, <laughs> they are. They are. Um, most recipes that are made in factories like that. They probably don't add molasses or honey, so they're probably not very sweet. Yes. They probably use shortening instead of butter. Again, butter is delicious. Um, Yeah. Yeah. But it also is like not as shelf stable as margarine. Exactly. Um, And some companies don't even use eggs in order to make it more stable and architectural. I mean, I'll tell you, the the pieces we got are... uh, like clay, like baked clay. Yeah. Um. I. They're also very pale, which definitely tells me there's no molasses in them. Um. So some stats on this: the Swiss colony in Monroe, Wisconsin, sm- sells more than thirty-five thousand gingerbread houses a year. Huh. Their gingerbread houses come pre-made from an assembly line, and once the houses are completed, they actually let them just sit out in on shelves. 
So they can dry out. Yeah. Um, that makes sense. That doesn't taste sound like it no. tastes very good. It sounds like, uh, I would say, uh, the opposite of that. Gross um, is the word I'm looking and for. And according to their website, it takes about two months to make a gingerbread house from beginning to end. So think about, I mean, even if that's not two months of it sitting like together collecting dust on a shelf, that's still like I would throw out cookies that I made after two months. If not sooner. Yeah. Uh, so can you eat it? Technically, yeah. But don't. Yeah, you can. But, but why don't. put yourself through that? But don't. Um, listen, one last thing I want to say. I will post pictures of the three out of four and and the one collapsed house that we have. <laughs> I'll post that on our Schmanner's uh, Twitter account. But only if people who have also built gingerbread houses in their homes send us pictures of theirs. So we'll do a little gingerbread house exchange. Uh, does that sound good to everybody? Sounds great. Okay. Um, I do have a few more tips. Okay. Uh, it is recommended that uh, if you want to keep your gingerbread house looking fresh, uh, and it is strictly for display, you may want to spray it with lacquer. Huh. You also, when putting it away, you will want to cover it with some sort of uh, moisture wicking material and then uh, maybe put it in like a plastic vessel to prevent varmints from getting Oh, you're getting talking about like it. if you store it yes. over time. Over time. Some people, like it's a thing. They yeah. keep it. They bring it out every year. That's weird to me. Mostly because I can't imagine putting that much work into something. Not like I'm judging you, (laughs) but I just know how much work I'd be willing to put in it. And then the hubris of thinking this deserves to survive is, no, That's mine would be some kind of horrible Dr. Moreau creation. (laughs) Well, if I'm going to lacquer that sucker, I'm going to keep it. That's what I always think, too. Once again, not to judge. But when I see people who have, like, lacquered uh, puzzles they've done, that just seems to me like someone going, I never want to do that puzzle again. <laughs> this is it. I'm done. I'm never doing it. I did it, and I'm never doing it again. Um, it's also recommended that uh, you dust it, Yeah, obviously, and those cans of compressed air are perfect for that. Um, if you find that that's a little too harsh on your your gingerbread mound, then you can also use uh, soft paintbrushes, things like that. But again, um, something where you're not actually really like rubbing it or touching it because the oils from your hands can degrade the the materials. Also, here's another little, this is just a decorating tip for everybody. If you can, what you should do is use that royal icing Right, to connect all the walls and roof and everything. And then leave it alone for a while before you decorate it. Yeah, not like we did because our child was very impatient. Well, yes. She wanted to put candy on she it. She wanted to put candy on it. But that's the thing is the, the royal icing, it, it needs time to set. It needs mm-hmm. time to harden. Um, and then once it does, that stuff's like cement, right? But right. until it does, it's just like icing. So give it some time before you start decorating. And um, the internet has a, a general consensus of eat your gingerbread men head first to put them out of their misery. It's horrible. 
All right, that's going to do it for us. Uh, listen, folks, uh, if you are a fan of the Adventure Zone, the uh, actual play RPG podcast me and my brothers and my dad do, uh, we are putting out a cooperative storytelling card game based on the Adventure Zone balance. Uh, we're working with Together Studios uh, to make what I think is a really great game that I'm really proud of. And the pre-order is open now. So you can go to theadventurezonegame.com uh, and go ahead and place that pre-order. Uh, let's see what else. Candle Nights is coming up, and Schmanners isn't going to be there, but a lot of other Macroy shows are. We're so excited to see you there. It's apparently Wonderful is going to be in town. Wonderful is going to be show. there. Apparently, it's going to be tropical-themed, so like an <laughs> island Christmas. So keep that in mind. It's got very Margaritaville-esque feeling to it. Uh, did so Justin have a hand in that? Mary did. <gasps> Dress accordingly. Um, <laughs> let's see. Uh, go check out all the other amazing shows on MaximumFun.org. They're all incredible and you'll love them. Uh, you can tweet at us. Uh, like I said, tweet us pictures of your gingerbread house. Or if you just want to do like a thread, we'll post a picture of ours and then you can respond to that. Uh, if you have ideas for topics, you can email us, schmannerscast at gmail.com. Uh, also, on that Twitter account, when we have uh, episodes that we think will get questions, we'll say, hey, this is that episode. If you have any questions, let us know, and you can post them there. What else, Teresa? Well, we always say thank you to Brent Brentelfloss Black for writing our theme music, which is available as a ringtone where those are found. Also, thank you to Kayla M. Wassel for our Twitter thumbnail art. Um, and like Travis said, when we call out for questions, that's where we do that. But if you would like to submit a topic. I already said that you one. did not i did too schmannerscats at gmail.com i said it maybe i was not listening no i think you were zoned out looking at the little dragon i've wrapped around the microphone stand anyway also thank you to uh brouhaha betty pinup photography for our beautiful cover picture of the fan run facebook group schmanners fanners please join that if you love to give and get excellent advice several threads going this uh, at this moment and they are amazing Thank you so much to our our wonderful fans for giving and getting that excellent advice. And thank you, of course, to our research assistant, Alex, without whom we would not be able to do this show anymore. At this point, between our one and a half children, uh, we just wouldn't be able to do it. So thank you so much, Alex. And thanks you, thank you to all of our uh, our Max Fund supporters. That's true. Because without you, we wouldn't be able to pay Alex for her work. So thank and you, everybody. And we wouldn't ask her to volunteer for this. No. We want to pay people for the things that they You're do. You paid for your work. All right. That's going to do it for us. Join us again next week. No RSVP required. You've been listening to Schmanners. Manners, Schmanners. Get it. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.